message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Good morning, Father. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And now um, I ask that you would get me out of your way, that your truths would be lifted up, that the Word of God would be understood through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we would obey because we love you to the glory of Jesus. Amen. We're going through a series about who is Jesus. The fancy term is Christology. Christmas, Christ, Christology, right? And that's the study of Jesus, who he was. And we're going through this series. What, it's, what got the idea going was first we were coming up onto Easter, of course. It's about Jesus. But then um, Ligonier Ministries came out with a statement of faith about who is Jesus. And it's, it's classical, historical theology, Reformed theology, which isolates certain aspects, and specifically today, which differentiates us from Catholicism. This is a key point on that. This is huge. And this stuff is like a bookmark, like a table of contents. So let's say, how many of you enjoy books from your little devices yet? How many of you are reading books from your devices? Right, I'm loving it too. So there's only two of us here doing that. So, and so when I go to the, when I get a new book, even the books still have a table of contents. You click and you can see all the chapters, and it has the, you know, it gives you an idea where the book is going. Right. Well, that's what a statement of faith is, or um, more historically, the creeds of the Christian faith. These are very important things because they protect the truth from all the craziness we see on TV, which is abundantly heretical in nature. Really bad, right? So, your church, you get to come here and we're going to give you truth straight up as it is so that when you see a lie, you can go, that's wrong. Now, with that, we're going into who is Jesus and we're going to read the statement of faith from Ligonier Ministries and I'll read that to you because it's hard to see. And then we're going to go to the point we're going to isolate. And this is what it says. We confess the mystery and wonder of God made flesh and rejoice in our great salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Son created all things, sustains all things, and makes all things new. Truly God, he became truly man. Two natures in one person. He was born of the Virgin Mary and lived among us. Crucified, dead, and buried. He rose on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in glory and judgment. For us, he kept the law atoned for sin, and satisfied God's wrath. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. He is our prophet, priest, and king, building his church, interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise his holy name forever. Amen. What we're going to emphasize here is for us. What he did for us. This point right here 
differentiates the message of the Christian religion from every other religion in the world. So long for those evil bumper stickers that has the coexist. There is no coexist because this is where Christianity takes a turn far away from everything else the world has to offer you. And this, what Jesus did for us, is where we put our hope. What I'm going to highlight today is what's in yellow. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. The hope of hopes that we can have as human beings. This is where no matter how bad of a day you had, no matter how much you let go to sin, this is the best news for you ever. And the fancy word is called imputation. All right, And this is the legal transaction. Because you see, God had to satisfy His law in order to save us. So when Jesus died on the cross, just like you go to the store, right? You have money and you're going to buy something. You put the garment down, the person at the checkout counter, you know, rings up the garment and then says, give me your credit card, right? You want this garment, you got to pay. So then you give them the credit card, they slide it and say, yippee, I took your money. You can have this garment now, right? And you did an exchange, okay? That's an economical thing. And there's also the legal transaction. See, God is obligated to punish every one of us for all our bad. He's obligated by His nature as a good God to punish bad. Right? So Jesus went to the cross, and we're going to see a bunch of Bible verses on this, and He took our sin, right? We gave Him a sin, a transaction took place, and the righteous life He lived, and the death He died was credited to our account. So there's a transaction taking place, a switching. We take our bad, the horrible life that we lived, we give it to Jesus, He dies with it. The perfect life Jesus lives, He gives it to us. We exchange lives. Alright? So when God looks at us, He can say, you are righteous. You're legally declared righteous. But the fancy word is imputation. So let's look at that a little deeper. To be imputed means to ascribe to or charge a person with an act or quality because of the conduct of another over whom one has control. And then the theological point to attribute righteousness or guilty to a person vicariously. All right? Like, how many of you enjoy watching sports? How many of you enjoy, would like to just get in there and play the sport that you're watching? Most likely we'd be sore or, you know, greatly damaged. So, where, you ever heard of the quarter, armchair quarterback? Right? We're vicariously enjoying the sport. Right? And we're like, if that was me, that wouldn't have gone that way. I would have gone that way and we would have got a touchdown. Except it was New England where it would have been, of course, that's the right way to go to get a touchdown. Right? We'll leave that one behind. Now let's move forward. In this statement of faith that you can get to online, they, they, uh, they have these affirmations and um, denials of this Ligonier statement of faith. And it affirms this. We affirm that because of Christ's life, 
of obedience and death, our sin is imputed to him and his righteousness is imputed to us by faith. All right, so that's that transaction. Imputation means here my life stinks. You can have it, Jesus. He takes and says, my life was flawless and perfect. It gets credited to your account. Well, hey, that's a good deal. We deny that our sin is merely overlooked or passed over. And we also deny that Christ's righteousness is not imputed to us. We're going to look at some of the in Christendom, and they've got a different description of this. This alone differentiates us from Catholicism. And a lot of Protestant churches like to add to Jesus' salvation. So Jesus Christ plus some sort of ritual or action will save you. And we've got to be careful on that. So let's unpack that. I thought this was an awesome picture. There's two words out there that are worth knowing. All right, The term is synergy and monergy. All right? And the difference is how does Jesus save you? And if you've ever been to an evangelistic conference, someone might say, the gospel is like someone throwing a life preserver out to you and you're drowning in the water and at the last moment by your own power and choice you grab hold of that life preserver and God pulls you in. Have you ever heard that one before? I've heard that one before. But unfortunately the Bible says that we're dead in our sins and trespasses. So what happens if you see a body floating down the river, clearly not moving, and you throw him a life preserver? What happens? Nothing. It boinks off him and it goes on by, right? And that's what this is illustrating. A dead person cannot respond to the gospel. Now, quite frankly, you might say, well, why tell anybody the gospel? Well, the Great Commission... You know, which is go tell the gospel. We're commanded by God to tell the gospel. Whether people respond is not our problem. We're commanded to tell the gospel. Coming back to this illustration, synergy means you and God save you. All right, and this is Catholicism. They say Jesus comes down, and we'll look at this in a little more detail in just a moment. But Jesus comes down and gets you started. And you're chugging along with the grace of God, and that's why Catholics have seven sacraments. A sacrament means a means of grace to be added to you. And you've got to make sure you're doing them. Some you only have to do once, but you've got to keep them going because you've got to keep feeding the synergy, you and Jesus. You've got to keep feeding the machine to stay saved. This is all about staying saved. You understand? But monergy and monergism means that we're zombies. And if you really want to get into detail, you can online. I have my podcast up. The zombie hunting series I did last year is all about this. This is what God does. This is how God saves someone. He takes a dead person, and in John chapter 3, the Holy Spirit goes where He wills and saves who He wills. It's called being born again. None of us scheduled our first birth, correct? Were you there? You were there for your first birth, right? I hope so. Your only birth. But you didn't schedule it. It wasn't part of your plans. You didn't schedule your second birth. God did. God says you're born here, you're born again here. 
Alright? It's all part of God's plan because God gets all the glory, 100% of it. So that's what that means. God sees the zombies. I hate God. I want to do something stupid. I want to go in the girls' bathroom, which is the latest popular thing, right? Right? Isn't that crazy? Humans, grown-ups can't tell if they're a boy or a girl anymore. Grown-ups! Right? Because they're dead in their sins and trespasses, and they're doing what dead people do. They're just zombies. They're dead. They're not asking to Jesus, right? Are you raising your hand? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thomas one Okay, go ahead. Thomas from Chuck Norris, who I just love Chuck Norris. Yeah, Chuck. He said, I too was a man trapped in a woman's body. I heard this one. And then he was born. That's a good one. That fits. Chuck always wins. Chuck always that's a perfect example of it. But that's what zombies do. That's why they're dead. So God saves us despite us. And that's what I, that's what I want to make sure you understand. So God gets 100% of the glory. But what we're going to emphasize is that statement where it says, God took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robes. And they got that from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. Where in the ESV it says, We have all become like one who is unclean, for all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Filthy rags, polluted garments. We are like, we all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. This is a great visual to understand that we bring nothing to God. You can't be good enough. You can't be worthy to come to this church. You'll never achieve a level of worthiness. And some people think they've got to be a certain level of behavior before they're even worthy to come here. That's not true. Only the worst people are welcome here because they're the only ones willing to let Jesus save them. If you can't admit you're the worst sinner in this room, you don't need Jesus. You understand? So that's what this is all about. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds, all our righteous deeds, the things that we think God would really like this. Yeah, I did something really so swell that God's just going to like me. Never happen. All right? God doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us like we're, living, we're dead. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. And the visual from Isaiah We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Just imagine, even in the springtime, when you still see all the dead leaves in the fall, I mean, in the spring, in the woods, and the winds come, you know, and these leaves are just dead, they're decaying, and they get blown around. That's what sin does to a lost person. Let's look at some Bible verses. Straight up Bible verses. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.12, For our sake, He made Him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see that imputation? The transaction taking place Our filthy rags was put on Jesus and God's wrath attacked him. And then Jesus' righteous life 
is credited to us. We might become the righteousness of God. You're not just declared righteous by God. Hold on to your seatbelts here. You are the righteousness of God. Get a t-shirt and wear that. Hey, you must think you're so great. I'm the righteousness of God. Whatever, dude. Could you imagine the responses if you had a t-shirt that said that and you wore it? I am the righteousness of God. Right? But that's what the scripture says, doesn't it? God forgave us of our sins and declared us righteous in Christ. Look at this one. Now, a lot of people, boy, they want to put their faith on something they did. It's human nature to think we feel more comfortable if we did it and not God. Right? It's human nature to say, God's great and all, but I got it. Really, I got it. Right? And that's, it's our intuitive nature to think God doesn't have it all. I've got to step up to the plate and finish the job he couldn't do. It's a very evil statement, but it's our nature. Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. This is why Facebook is an awesome place to cut and paste Bible verses. Bible verses, not you trying to cleverly discuss something with your friends. It's a waste of time. You're trying to convince a dead zombie, right, to not be a dead zombie. They're not going to get it. What you do is you cut and paste that Bible verse in there and sense through the law, the Bible comes the knowledge of sin. They hate that, right? You ever, you know, you know how like you turn on the light and the cockroaches go, right? You ever heard of that illustration? That's what the Bible does when you cut and paste it into your discussions on Facebook with your friends who think transgenderism is great because that's just the latest discussion. That's why I'm bringing it up. And you put some Bible verses in there. And I'll sit there and go, Oh, you bigot! You don't know! Right? And they respond in their evil... That's what they do. Because the law comes the knowledge of sin. And dead people hate that. And they feel guilty. And they should. But let's flip it. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Every human being is laid bare by the Bible. And that's what it means by the works of the law. Those ten commandments. Okay? Romans 3, 21-24. Listen to this. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. I want to stop here for a second. You remember Jesus on the road to Emmaus? He's got two disciples with him. He's raised from the grave. They don't recognize him. And Jesus, beginning with the law and the prophets, says the whole Bible's been about him the whole time. And they're like, we're in our hearts burning within us when he was revealing the scripture about the Messiah. Right? And they're like, the whole Old Testament's about Jesus. But... This is what Paul's saying here, is but the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, right? 
although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So even though the whole Old Testament's about Jesus, if you don't see the Messiah in the Old Testament, all you see is this law. Don't do this, don't do that, well, I don't like that, and I don't like this, right? Does that make sense? So the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Alright? Justified meaning declared righteous by His grace. Here's a couple more beefy Bible verses. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteous apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You see, the goal of us is to make sure God doesn't look at our works. You do not want God to remember your works because it's filthy rags. We want God to count us righteous apart from works. All right? Counted as righteous. And how do we get that righteousness? Right here. Faith. Faith meaning, here's what the Bible says, and you go, Awesome. That's what I'm going to stake it all on right there. All right? I'm trying to give you a few more. Um, so hang in there. This is a big, big meal. 1 Corinthians 1, 28-31. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is like total theology meat right here. This is the good stuff. God chose a loser like me. This is Jeff's translation. Right? Says, look, if I can save that loser Jeff and get any, squeeze any good out of him, then you should have hope. Because Jeff really stinks. And you're way better than him. And I do mean that. And God can use you and give you the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification, and the redemption. God's got a lot for you. This stuff, those big shun words, mean a lot to about your salvation and what it means to live for Jesus. Alright? That's good stuff. And remember, it's not about where you've been, it's about where you're going. And that's the hope of Christ. The, what's been is forgiven and forgotten. God has to forget it in order to declare you righteous. Righteous comes through faith in Christ, not works. 
Philippians or yeah, three nine, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Okay? I'm giving you a lot of Bible verses, but these are like the girders of a bridge. These are the the legs of a bridge that I'm giving you here. These are strong, theological... You can't even pull them out of context. You cannot take that out of context. I think you're spinning it, Jeff. No. Have you ever heard of these? The five solas? Okay. Um, sola gratia, I can't do much on my uh, Latin, but fide, Christus, and de glory, and scripture. Catholicism cannot and will not say that. This is where they're... This is part of the Reformation, which means we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, meaning not of works, and this is a total work of God, in Christ alone, which means you can't add anything to it, to the glory of God alone. Right? 100% of your salvation is the work of God. You can take any credit. You and I can't take any credit for the work that Jesus did on the cross for you. Okay? And then how do we know this? The Scripture alone. So let's say the deacons here get together and, and uh, we, just, we have a meeting and we talk about we're going to add some new stuff to the church to make sure that you're saved. So all the men must have beards now. All the men. You must have beards or you're not saved. Right? I'm, I'm good to go. Got some facial hair here going on. Good, good. Who's, which men here aren't saved? There's, ah, ah. Deacons, not living up to it. There we go. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, Now, that would be unreasonable, wouldn't it? Because now we're adding something to the work of Christ. So not only is the work of Christ, but men must have facial hair. What? Right? That should make you go, okay, that church has just left orthodoxy. That's the message, the primary message, and I grew up Catholic, that's why I pick on them a bit, but that's what the synergy means, is if when we say from the scripture alone, what happened was there was a large body of human beings who had additional rules. If you wanted to be saved, it's not just from the information of the scripture, the church has equal authority, and if the church contradicts the Bible, then tough. Do what the church says, not the Bible. All right. So we got to be careful of that because that's where that's why by Scripture alone do we get our marching orders about what it means to be saved. That's why that's one of them. Now, can you can any of you think of Protestant churches that are leaving this and want to add? Right? I believe there's a church in this town that says, if you are not baptized, you are not saved. Well, that's no longer grace alone. That's not faith alone. That's certainly not Christ alone. And that's certainly not to the glory of God alone. Because then you could say, yeah, but I was baptized. Jesus, you have to let me in. Uh, No. Nope. Nope. Right? Because you've just added to the works of Jesus. Okay? And there's nothing you can do. 
There's nothing you can do to add to the work of Jesus that should relieve you. Because if we all think about it, we know we didn't do a good job this week loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We did okay. Maybe we could have done better, but we know we didn't do it perfectly. So that should relieve you that, well, good. Jesus did it all. And that frees you. What about works? Christians just can't say, I'm saved, so I'm never going to go to church again, and I'm never going to do anything again. That is not a saved person. If a person, uh, as a child, maybe came to a VBS once and did said something with a teacher and never showed up to church again in their entire life, never showed an interest in the Scripture, never talked to Jesus again, that is not a regenerate person. There's nothing there. It's a zombie just like the rest of the zombies. Right? A saved person is that strange weirdo that was a filthy, horrible sinner and everybody knew it and all of a sudden says, Forget it! I'm following Jesus! This stinks! And then they start coming to church and then they show an interest in the Bible and then they love to sing about Jesus and then they become irritating at their job because they talk about Jesus and if the conversation isn't about is getting in the wrong way they get up and leave. When I was working at the mall I used to have to do that all the time. There was mixed crowd, men and women and they were doing conversations I as a grown up could not be involved with anymore. It's like you all are talking about stuff that I can't even sit at this table with you. I'm out of here. Okay, But salvation always produces works, but works never produce salvation. You weren't saved because of works. You were created for good works. I just want to nail these works. We're almost done. And this saying is trustworthy. And and this is out of Titus chapter 3. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Okay? A Christian cares. They want to do something. The response, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, in your heart and mind should be a reprioritizing of what your week is going to look like and how you're going to live for Jesus. And that's why always on the bulletins, it's a great command, the great commission, and those five disciplines. Your heart should be leaning towards that. If your heart is not leaning to an increased worship or an increased fellowship, a desire for a ministry, a discipleship, and evangelism, if your heart's not leaning for that, we need to find out why. What is stopping your Christian growth? Because if you know you're saved from hell, you should be wanting this. Alright? This should be a church of people leaning forward, going, Yeah, come on, how do I get involved with your little rinky-dink ministry? What can I do? Right? This is a little tiny town. What can I do? Because I love Jesus. You people are kind of unstable and crazy, but I love Jesus and He commanded me to be involved with you all. So what can I do? That's... 
That's the call. That's the response of a saved person. All right? And it is full of fear. And it is scary. And it is unstable. So I'm going to jump to the end. Um, There it is. What are the works of the saved? They love God. That's the great commandment. They they share the gospel, the discipleship. That's the great commission. And I call them the five disciplines, what we just talked about. You should be working at them, working them out. Right? Um, And really, what is most important to you? Communion, this has no saving power. It doesn't add to your salvation. It doesn't add to the work of Christ. This reminds us and tells us what Jesus paid because you and I stink. Okay? This is about what Jesus did for you and me so that we could go to heaven. And when we participate in communion, we're identifying with Jesus, we're remembering what he did, and we're willing to follow him. Now, in your heart, if you're going to leave here this week and turn off that button and hit the clear button on everything you just heard, don't take this. Because this is for the people who are going to push forward and follow Jesus. No matter what. That's what this is for. From Bibles websites to theology, apps to blogs, there are so many fantastic resources for Christians. Get the latest news and reviews on what is out there to help you grow in Christ. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Truth is here.